Today's reading is from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. We'll be reading from the New International Version. Please follow along as the text is presented on the screens above. Keep loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if yourselves were suffering. Uh, You're going to get your chance to uh, answer that question here in just a minute. I'm going to prime the pump a little bit, but I have a microphone here, and here's the rule. Uh, Each week in this series, or at least for the next few weeks, we're going to start out with this question, uh, how, how is the Seattle freeze for you? And uh, is, it, is it real or is it just a myth? Because I'm going to prime the pump with some of this stuff here in a sec. But um, here's the rule, though. You get, you get to say it's real or it's a myth, and then you get one sentence with no conjunctions. Okay? Because I know how it works with some of you. Uh, just, just one sentence as to why it is real or not real for you. Okay, so... Um, I need some participation, though, in the, to make this thing work. And uh, Seattle Freeze, I found it's not as common, like I'll bring it up and not everybody knows about it, which is kind of weird. That says you've been here a long time. Because the new people know about it. That's, they've heard about it as they've looked online. So what's the cause of it? These are, this was from a Seattle Times uh, article. Uh, it could be weather-related. We become hermits in the wintertime. You notice that? Those people that live next door that go into their garage and come out once in a while. Scandinavian roots. In Nordic countries, the polite thing to do is to not talk to people. And you know, it's funny, the, the, the Vikings, uh, Nordic people, right? They go way back. The Vikings were pillagers and looters and rampagers, and they came through Western Europe. And not only do they do all that, but they didn't say anything. It's a really welcoming people. And they came to Ballard! And places around here, so there's that. And then for some of you uh, tech industry folks, uh, you've been accused of being the problem. Uh, You have this sort of introvert correlation thing. But from 1946, this quote, we are sometimes neglectful of the stranger in our midst. This is from Seattle. We seem unduly occupied with our own local concerns. Okay, so there's potential uh, reasons for this phenomenon that has been reported. And kind of, what is it? Well, these are some quotes. It's a myth perpetuated by a few extroverts. All right. It's a, this is the irony here. It's a great conversation starter. We're doing that. And I love this one. It's my favorite. It's all part of our governor's plan to combat global warming. So you see, it's really a good thing. These, I did not make these up. Uh, this is out of the Seattle Times article. Uh, there is something to it, and here's some quotes. I'm disappointed to see the Times keeps running articles on it. I'm an introvert, and fine with that. Okay, that may be you. Seattle Freeze is real and good. Go back to the Midwest if you want small talk. <laughs> really nice. I, and here's, here's one that is, I think opens it up a little bit more. I was stunned by the coldness and lack of eye contact. It's been five years of effort to feel accepted and befriended. Even some churches have the freeze. Pray for me. I live in Washington. And I have a hunch that that one captures some hearts in here. 
Uh, there is research on this in uh, the Seattle Times, art- one of the articles, there have been many, but it talks about how about 40-some percent of people have no interest in ever having another new friend. It's just the way they, they've had enough. <laughs> they're, they're, they're tapped out. That's a freeze. Uh, that'll do it. Um, there, it's not just Washington. Or the, I, I, we have a problem in this world being not hospitable. And uh, so when Patty and I were in Vancouver, B.C., uh, this was 30-some years ago, we were with another couple. We rolled down the window because we were lost. We were looking for a particular restaurant. Excuse me, ma'am, can you... Wait, really nice voice. My friend is an extrovert. Smiles when he says everything. Excuse me, ma'am, can you help us find... This time it was in Gastown. We're, we're kind of lost. And her response was, and if you know the Canadian tone of voice, find out for yourself. <laughs> yeah, it was cold. This woman may have come to Seattle because here's what another woman said. We don't need those new people. We have our lives. It's fine. We like it. And if they don't, that is not our problem. Ah, ooh, do you feel a, a little breeze of, of cold air there? Um, so, okay, how have you experienced, I, I can do three people, and I, you remember the rule, you get to say whether you, it's real to you or not, or a myth or not, and one sentence, why? Okay, Marisa, you are brave and bold, yes, you must be on the extrovert scale, yeah. It's real, and is this on? Oh, oh there we go, it's, it's real. All of our friends are transplants. All of our, our friends, yeah, interesting, okay. It's real for her? Others? If, if nobody says it, it just proves that we're frozen. <laughs> just, we're really frozen. I need three people. Eddie, shout it out. It's not real. I've had no problem making friends. Well, you're weird. <laughs> we'll talk later, yeah. No, Eddie, you do have lots of friends. I know that. All right. I, I think I saw another hand go up. Okay, Trish, let me get... Yeah. Hi, I'm Trish, and we're from the Midwest. And I think it's real, because we've been here 27 years or something, but when you walk down the street in the Midwest, even if it's not your hometown, people look up, say hi, greet you, how's it going, how you doing? And here it's just yeah. this. Yeah. That's my experience. No, yeah, okay, good, good enough. All right, so you'll get your chance uh, next week if you're feeling like you have something to add to that. We live, this, I, all that to say, we live in a, not, not a real hospitable world, at least not all the time. And, and if you don't experience that, um, great for you, but God has spoken into this world, into this inhospitable world very clearly. In fact, he has commanded us to be hospitable. Whether you are feeling loved or, and warm or not, he has commanded us, with his word, to be hospitable. This is, uh, we're in uh, uh, Hebrews 13, uh, 1, 2, 3 here. We're going to be focusing on these verses. But there's many other places where he says, be hospitable. It's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. And it's rooted in the fact that he is so hospitable. Uh, we're going to look at three. So there's three verses here, and each verse reveals another layer of hospitality. We're going to go through that together. And uh, hear his voice. The first Uh, get this out up there for you verse 1 verse 2 verse 3 verse 1 says keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters 
And the Greek word there is this famous city on the East Coast, Philly. Yeah, so Philadelphia means the city of brotherly love. And by implication, brotherly and sisterly love, uh, it's all there. Okay, so, uh, and people, when they hear that in, in a place like this, they say, of course, I know that. Yeah, we're to love each other as brothers and sisters in this family of God. We're in together. And we might assume if we're feeling that love that other people are feeling that love. And let me just tell you that that is absolutely not true on any given day. On any given Sunday when we gather together, there are people on the scale of cold to warm. And there are people here today who are just not, they're not there. You need to know that. Uh, A few weeks ago, uh, I think it was August, it was my first Sunday back from sabbatical, and uh, there was a call to come forward for prayer, and it was to name your pain, it was out of the Psalms, name your pain and just allow a blessing to be prayed over you. And I, I first named my pain and had a blessing prayed over me, and then I was up here uh, with Anne, who was speaking that day, and a few others, and we were able to hear people's, the, the, that word of pain, and then to pray that prayer. And I want to just say that there was more than one person who said loneliness was their pain. Now, I assume that's true today. And, and you can't tell, we're all pretty well scrubbed, you know, that we don't look lonely. But that, that loneliness thing is, is very real. So let me give you a picture of, of something that um, it stuck with me for a long time now. So on the last Sunday of when... So this would have been like eight years ago or seven or eight years ago now. The last Sunday at my previous church, I offered to pray for people, something like that, a prayer blessing over them as I was leaving. And people came during this, the, the last song. And this, um, this one particular woman, uh, I, and I knew her story, but she just said, I am so lonely. She was single. And uh, she just, and she started crying. Now behind her, this is the part that got me. Behind her were three or 400 people singing with great joy. And then her voice, I am so lonely. And that the juxtaposition of those two things, I'll never forget. Uh, loneliness is, is rampant. It's, 2018, there was a study on it uh, about how the mixture of uh, people are living by themselves more uh, which is a, a real phenomenon, so there's loneliness in there. And then social media has enhanced loneliness. And as, you know, they look, as people look upon everybody else out there who's having fun, maybe they're just lonely people who are pretending to have fun, you know, whatever, but that you feel more lonely as you look at those other people. So it's, um, the, the uh, uh, doctors will say that if you get into a loneliness pattern in your life, it's the equivalent of smoking 16 cigarettes a day, 15 cigarettes a day, in terms of what it does to your, uh, your, your health. So it's, it's a real problem in our country. What can you do? Well, one is just not assume, this is application stuff, but not assume that everybody around you is feeling warm. Do not make that assumption. We just don't know what's going on inside another person. 
But one thing that, well, a phrase that we threw out there a few weeks ago that I really, it really got me was, it was the phrase like, when a, when a person is standing in a group and no one is talking to them, when they're, when they're around the edges, that is an emergency. Do you own that? Can you own that statement? That's an emergency, as if the house is on fire. Somebody standing by themselves. What we just sang about the, the, how Jesus leaves the 99 and goes out to the one, you know. So here's one way to do it. Really, really simple. And Trish, you brought it up a little bit. But just to smile at somebody and give them eye contact is an, is a, is an offering. It's really simple. Now here's the other part of that, though is to be the first person to say hi. No, don't wait for them to say hi to you. Be the first person to say hi in a conversation. It could be a conversation. Maybe it will never will be. Maybe deep down you're just a Viking and you always want to be a Viking, you know? But this, so I have, I have this friend that I assumed was an extrovert. And one day we got talking at a deeper level. And I'm, I'm a mild introvert. And uh, he told me that he, he actually, was some 20 years ago, 30 years ago, he made the decision and has lived into this decision that person to say hi. It, it, you know you're, how you're waiting for somebody maybe to say hi to you? He just doesn't. And how it's changed his life. I share that testimony with you. Um, when you're out for a walk in your neighborhood, when you're at the grocery store, to say hi, to smile, to give eye contact to another person acknowledges them made in the image of God. It values them as a person and it takes away some of that freeze that many of us have felt. You know, just forget that everybody else is hurting around us. Yeah. Second verse is love the stranger and this is probably the one we'll spend the, the most time on. Love the stranger, verse two. Let me read it for you. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. The Greek word here is philozenia. Xenia uh, means the stranger or the alien or the foreigner. Philo is to love. So we're going to love the stranger, to be kind, and literally to love or to be kind to the stranger in a way that invites them into your life context, into your sort of space. And that could be your home. It could be a life group that you're part of, which we have an opportunity to enter into. It could be having coffee at wherever. I was going to say Starbucks, but I always advertise for them, and I don't mean to. But uh, wherever those third places are in your life, to invite people, to invite the stranger, the person that you don't know, into your life context. Now, this was written to the Hebrews, this letter, and of course the Hebrews were Jewish Christians of the first century who knew their history really well. So one thing about Jewish people, they know their history. That's what's kept them together for thousands of years. And uh, they would have, well, we know that in Middle Eastern culture, uh, first century, but going way, way back into Middle, medieval, or Middle Eastern uh, history, ancient history, that hospitality was absolutely critical. Why would that be? Have you, ever, have you ever been to those places and they call a lot of the outer areas the desert or the wilderness? 
There were wild animals there. There was uh, the weather. I mean, you needed water. You needed food. It was a very inhospitable world. You depended on people to get you through. Every culture around ancient Israel had hospitality codes, expectations of how you would treat a stranger. And so did Israel. And there were, there, there were some inns and places like that, but they were known more for prostitution and who knows what. So you depended on that person that you would meet. And you can't just look down and not smile or not say anything. I mean, these are, their, their life depends upon you. So hospitality was a really, really big deal in the ancient world. And the Hebrews knew that. But what made the Hebrews different, or the Jewish people different, was the reason for the hospitality was unique to who they were as a people. And um, I want to get into this passage. I'm going to put these two together. The first one we already read. This is that woman who uh, may, you know, that I read earlier. And this is the great, this is the great, I'm going to say sin of Israel. Because they were the chosen people, they, they, didn't, they didn't want anybody else. They, they were set apart, but set apart to what? To exhibit God to the world. That's why they were chosen. But they just loved being chosen. And they just, that was enough for them. So that voice represents that. But here's what, here's what these Hebrews in the first century would have, if, as they heard this writer saying to them these words, they would remember Deuteronomy ten nineteen. You are to love those who are foreigners or strangers, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. Do you see what that does? Do you remember that place? Do you remember the places in your life where you were really, really lonely? That's, that's the appeal here. Do you remember what it feels like? Do you remember what it feels like to come into a place like this on that first Sunday when you, when you came here? Some of you have been here a long time. Uh, maybe from the first century. Some of you are so old. But no, it go, some of you go way back. And you, do you still remember? Because you can forget. That's why God is saying this. Do you remember what it was like to be a foreigner in another place? A stranger. Do you remember the, the, how it felt maybe that first day as you moved into your neighborhood? Do you remember what that felt like? Do you remember the first day of work, wherever you are right now, how that felt? Do you remember the first day of school, if you moved to a new school? I mean, most of us have done that at some point in our lives. And the feelings that come. And here's the weird thing is you think, on the one hand, it's like you're super visible. Everybody is looking at you because you're new, right? And on the other hand, you feel super invisible. Does anybody see me even? Isn't that weird? Super visible, super invisible. It's the insecurities and vulnerabilities of the human heart that can create those two dynamics clashing and clanging around inside of us. Yeah, we, need, we need hospitality desperately. And, um, so this is the, the motivation. Uh, and it might have something to say to us in our national debate about immigration. And I'll just throw this out there. I get really upset sometimes, and I won't. I will try not to exhibit it. But does anybody listen to God when it comes to immigration? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're going to have boundaries. This is this this statement right here was made to a country that was just being created, and they're going to have boundaries. You got to have some boundaries. You you don't have a nation without boundaries. But how do you treat the people that come to those boundaries? Does anybody care what God says? It's, it's philoxenia, not xenophobia. 
You see? I mean, we have, we have to do what God says. And it's hard. Best we can, though. All right. Second motivation. And uh, this one's really cool. There, that's, you know, it, it is costly to be hospitable, isn't it? I mean, you're going to... You take somebody out for lunch, it's, you're going to pay the bill. And, you know, if you, it's your time and your energy that's going into it. But there's a benefit as well. And here's the benefit. Because if you're hospitable to a stranger, you never know. Somebody that you entertain or... Um, I don't like that word. The word is hospitable here. The one who you show hospitality to may be what? An angel. And what does the word angel mean, literally? A messenger from God. So we could interpret that literally as an angelic being, or we might also think in terms of, oh, a person who has a message for me or something to add to my life. And the, the, I've, I've shared this story before, but my best friend for over 40 years now was an absolute jerk the first time I met him, and now we just love to be together. Well, how does that happen without a little bit of, you know, opening up of the heart? And I would have missed the gift if I had been frozen in that way. So uh, an angel, uh, one of the things that uh, growing up, my dad was a World War II Marine, and he fought in the Pacific, which means the enemy was the Japanese. And he had struggles with that after, um, after the war, and, and I think he processed it well, but you know, it's hard to work through some of those things. But when I was in high school, we had a Japanese exchange student come and live with us. His name was Toshi. I just saw pictures of him the other day. I wonder what he's doing today. But having Toshi in our home and watching my dad interact with him in really warm ways. My dad was hospitable to the enemy, or at least the ethnic enemy of his past. And what that does to a person when you see it. And so Patty and I ended up, we've, I don't know, 10, 12 exchange students that have lived in our homes. None of them enemies in any sort of way, but... Just what that's added to our life, that we've been open to those people. And this summer we had uh, an exchange student from uh, South Africa that came to, back after 30 years with her family to our home. We shared a meal together. I love hospitality. Now sometimes, we had some, we had some bad ones too. I mean, I won't tell you about that. But that's the cost. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, uh, you know. Yeah, just ask Patty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not bad, bad, but you know, it didn't always work out quite the way you hope. But if you don't open up, you know, open our hearts, open our doors, open our Bibles to the hospitality that God wants for us, you miss out. Okay, the last, the last thing up there was, um, was the, the needy. And I will read that verse for you and then we'll close. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. And those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. So we've gone from those who are our our brothers and sisters in Christ to those who are strangers. And then now to those who are needy. It's, It's kind of think of concentric circles here. And it's prisoners. Prisoners depended in the first century upon people to bring them food and just to live. It was, you know, prisons were tough places then, more, than, more so than today. But also it says the mistreated, those who have been mistreated. And who hasn't been mistreated? I mean, we've, we've all 
felt that. And rem- so remember the time when you were mistreated in order to build empathy towards somebody else who, is in- who has been mistreated. So I'm going to just tell you one story uh, from my distant past, but it's one, another one that kind of haunts me. Um, probably like most kids, we used to call it junior high, now it's middle school, but I was not at my best in those years, right? And um, we used to call it teasing, now we call it bullying. And I was teased and I was bullied, but I also teased and bullied. True confession, okay? But there was this kid named Jim and, um, in, in junior high. Uh, Jim uh, was in the, the slow group or the slow classroom. There's some, you know, something wasn't all there with Jim. And he was tall and he was clumsy and he was a perfect target for teasing. I mean, it's just like he had this target. I mean, it, uh, and he was really nice. And that, I don't know, just... So he lived uh, not too far from where we did. And on the school bus, uh, I remember one day that some of us figured out a way to tie him. He didn't know it, but we tied him down in his seat on the school bus so that he couldn't get out at his bus stop. His bus stop was just the one before our mine. And he, you know, he couldn't get out. We laughed, and he cried because the bus the bus driver didn't see it apparently. Why do I still remember that? That's a long time ago. He was mistreated. I mistreated him. I was part of that. And I just, I, I think back and I wish maybe somebody who had more maturity would have said, hey, you guys, not, don't do that. That's not good. Or I wish that maybe the bus driver had seen us. I mean, I really do. I just feel awful about that. And I wish I could go to Jim and say, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I don't... And, and I know that Jim died soon after high school. So I can't do that. He was... So this, it's not a hospitable world. That's all I'm trying to say. And I'm just trying to open up our hearts, open up our doors, open up our Bibles so that we can see what God wants for us. So God, let's, let's go to God and we'll close here. God, the most hospitable being ever that we could imagine came into our world to invite us into his home. That's the story of the Bible. He came to invite us to a place that is warmer than anything we could ever imagine. And we mistreated him. We mistreated him. He was born into a, there was no room in the inn, (laughs) born into a, a, a feeding trough. He was quickly pursued by a king who wanted to kill him. He became a refugee in another country. He knows what that feels like. It says he, he didn't have any, he was homeless. He didn't have any place to lay his head. And then the ultimate thing is we, we killed him. And it may sound stark to say we killed God, but that's what we did. We killed the one who came to bring us hospitality. This is not a hospitable world. And it is costly. It's very, very costly. Hospitality, if we look at it from his, this story, cost God his son. But uh, every person that we come in contact with, wherever it is this week, is somebody that God was, they were worth it. And they're worth it for you, and they're worth it for the person sitting next to you, and they're worth it for those people that are the strangers and the needy 
and your brothers and sisters. It was worth it to God. He's that hospitable. His commandment to you and to me is to be hospitable. Be hospitable. Open yourselves up. Let's pray. Holy Spirit of the living God, come and show us the truth of those words, the grace of those words to be hospitable. Thaw our frozen hearts. Maybe they're just frozen because we're so dang busy. But thaw our hearts, oh God. Melt our hearts. We can't do everything. We can't be everyone's best friend, but we can say hello to a stranger. We can look them in the eye. We can smile. We can be open to whatever they bring to us. Thank you, O Lord Jesus Christ, for showing your hospitality, the hospitality of heaven to us. We pray this in your name. Amen.